As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Into a car, tires, in the back seat, to pump somewhere, do something. But always stay ready. You know, I was having a conversation, I only have a few minutes. Uh, I, do, I will say this, uh, for those who are in the room now, you are, uh, you, you're, you're destined to be here to hear what uh, I just wrote. Uh, what I just wrote. There are people all over the country who are listening to me right now because I'm streaming live from my pocket onto my Facebook, my Twitter, and my Hootsuite account. So there are people who are receiving this message right now who are not in this room because they want to receive this message right now. And so those who are in here, whether you uh, accidentally made it here, whether you got other things to do and you really don't want to be here, trust me, you're here for a reason. That means there's something I'm about to say that is designed just for you. It's a seed that you're going to need for wherever it is that you're going. So I do encourage you to pay close attention. I just wrote this while I was sitting here today. I did it as I was watching everyone move around. I was watching everyone interact. I was watching everyone talk, laugh. I was watching the, um, uh, the, the fashion show. I was watching uh, the mock interviews. I was watching all of that. And so in all of that, uh, these words have come to me. And so I believe that what I'm about to say is designed for everybody in the room. So I encourage you to take something out. Write this, this stuff down. Okay. Write this stuff down if you can. Please take something out. Write this down. Uh, they only gave me a few minutes, I think. <sighs> So I got <sighs> and some of the or watch this, and some of the small ones are gonna say, "Can I get a copy of that?" Uh-huh. Watch. I ain't gonna tell that to everybody, but watch. We'll see what happens. Uh, today I want to talk about. Uh, I am a preacher, so you can say Amen. Uh, today I'm gonna talk about don't bury your seed. Don't bury your seed. Is that all right? <clears throat> Some of y'all already got it. Everybody in here has a seed that is planted on the inside of you. You did not plant the seed yourself. You were born with this seed. You do not control this seed, but you're born with this seed. The seed is inside of you. There's nothing you can do about this seed. It's there, and this seed is going to produce in your life. Whether you want it to or not, it's going to produce something in your life. How can I say? Let me just stay on course. Because y'all see, I'm, my brain is going a million in one place. Let me stay on course. I know people like my, my wife who went to school. She got a degree in communications. Today she's a social worker. Does that make sense? There are some people who come to school for accounting. You go to a family reunion, you run into some family members, and all of a sudden you decide to change your major to social work. 
Because you realize that there was something inside you that grew up, there was something inside you that came up that said, you know what, after that experience, I've decided that my future isn't in numbers. My future is in people. So what do you do? You change your major. I know I'm right about it because I was teaching a class at Tennessee State University in communication. We were doing a broadcast, uh, broadcast technology class. I was teaching that class, and I decided to author a program called the Technology Integration Project. It was, a, it was a service learning and civic engagement project where my students went out to a local elementary school and taught the fifth and sixth graders communication tools. And while we were there, listen closely, while we were there, there was this group that we had given them a, a, a challenge. We said, we need every group to name yourself. And there was this little uproar with this one group. I'm like, what the world's going on? All you got to do is give your group a name. That's all. We don't care what you call the group. Just give it a name. So we left and we came back and they're in an uproar. We said, what is the problem with this group? And he said, everybody in the group wants to be called the Tigers, except for this one little boy. He refused to be called the Tigers. So he said, okay, let's pull the group aside. This is such a simple task. And so we said, young man, why is it that you do not want to agree with everybody to be called the Tigers? Listen to me. He says, and he was serious. He said, well, because if we call ourselves the Tigers, we'll make other people think that we want to be better than they are, and then they'll tease us. Okay, y'all didn't hear that. Serious as all get out. He said, if we call ourselves the Tigers, we'll make people think that we want to be better than them, and then they'll tease us. And it blew our minds. Are you serious? He was serious. So we get back to Tennessee State. We debrief about this thing. And uh, in my class, I just so happened to have a guy by the name of Charles Sparkman. Now, when I say this, you'll understand what you're looking at. Charles Sparkman was the center for the TSU football team. So he's about this big, right? The dude is humongous. He's built like a mountain. And we were debriefing about the experience. You know what Charles does? He starts crying. He says, because... In that moment, as he's looking at this little boy who doesn't want to be called the Tigers because he's afraid people are going to tease him, he says, I saw myself in that little boy. And you know what Charles does today? Charles is an elementary school teacher. He changed his major because he experienced something that watered the seed that was already there. And I'm glad about it. Why? Because I would rather him be an elementary school teacher than be a cameraman at a local TV station. Frustrated because he is into something that was not a part of his destiny, which was to work with young people. Is that making sense? And so that means that there's some people in here that you're here because somebody said you look like an accountant. You look like an engineer. You look like you should be. But if that has nothing to do with the seed that's on the inside of you, you're destined for frustration. Meaning you're about to head into doing a job that doesn't fit who you are. Okay, I hope you're here today. Don't bury your seed. And so here's why I want to make this plain, because there's a major difference between planting your seed and burying your seed. Y'all catch that? Let me hit three things real quick and I'm out your head. Number one, the challenge with planting a seed and burying a seed, the first challenge is, is that the process of planting and burying looks the same. <laughs> It looks the same. You take a shovel, you dig a hole, and you drop it in the hole, right? It looks the same. And that's where our first problem is. Hmm. 
It looks the same. But even though you're doing the same things, the outcome can be critically different between the two, can it? How do I know? Because when you have a dream that is bigger than you, sometimes you have to expect to change in the process. You've got to change shape. You can't stay the same. If you're going to plant yourself in the ground, you can't expect to come out the same way. You've got to sacrifice your seedship. You've got to sacrifice a little bit of who you are if you're going to be who you were designed or destined to be. Is that making sense? What am I saying? When a woman is pregnant, and I've got three kids, so I know what this is kind of like. Some of y'all who have children know you go to the doctor. The doctor says, yes, you're pregnant. I can confirm that. And what do they do? They reach into this drawer and they pull out this tool. I don't, know, I don't know what the tool is called. I don't even know how it works. But it, it, this looks like a mathematical thing or something. They do this little thing or whatever with it. And they blah, 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 blah. And then when they get done, they say, your due date is blank. Isn't that right? Yeah. And when they say that and when they give you that due date, what are they telling you? They're telling you that no matter what, you're going to give birth at a particular time. Am I making sense? But if you're not excited about the changes that are about to take place in your body, if you're not excited about the changes about to take place in your mind, even though you have a due date, you do have two options. If you're not excited with what it's going to take to get that degree, if you're not excited about the time you're going to take to study and all the exams and all the tests and all the qualifications and all the certifications, if you're not excited about that, if you don't want to go through that, you've got two choices. You can either deliver or you can abort. Your choice. The challenge is, is that while you're in school, it all looks the same. Everybody's going into class, but only some people are learning. Oh, okay, don't, don't play with me like that. Y'all remember I used to teach. And I would tell people, I'd have a room of 30 students, and out of 30, only five of them was really ready to go. That means 25 people was walking in and walking out of my class and wasn't ready because it looked the same. They were still paying that school bill. Do you hear me? Listen to what I'm saying. Some of you are just going to class. You're not changing in the process. You're not walking in one way and walking out the other way. How do I know the difference between whether or not you have aborted? I'm sorry, I'm off my, my notes and everything. I'm sorry, y'all. How, how do I know the difference? Are y'all ready? I'm not going to tell you unless you're ready. How do I know the difference between aborting and delivering? Anybody want to know? Yeah. I got a few people want to know. Somebody say evidence. evidence. Is it just that simple? Evidence. Evidence is the only thing you need to prove whether or not you aborted or whether you delivered. Do you hear what I'm saying? How do I know? Because when I tell my wife I'm going to the grocery store, I come back with a bag of groceries. Evidence. When I send my son to the barbershop, he comes back with a ball fade. That's evidence. When I send my wife to the beauty shop, she either comes back with more hair or she comes back with less. But that's evidence. Am I right? Because if she doesn't come back with evidence, I have a right to question where you been. Okay, what am I saying there? 
The evidence isn't coming to CSU, talking broken English, wearing your pants without a belt, not looking people in their eyes when you speak to them, thinking the world revolves around you, keeping up with the people from your past who mean you no good. Watch this. It's okay to come that way, but what you need to do is make sure that when you go back home, you better have some evidence that you've been to CSU. You better know something about current events. Your nomenclature better be on point with where you're headed. Your crowd better have shrunk. The people you hang around better change because if you go back home talking the same way, walking the same way, hanging the same way, thinking the same way, somebody has a right to question where you've been. I'm just saying. See, some folks should have been in this room. Yes, they should. Amen. Second thing is, well, let me say the first thing was the process of planting and burying looks the same. The second thing is the tools. Are different. Although you dig to bury a seed and you dig to plant the same seed, those who bury their potential stop at the shovel. Because if you want, oh, y'all listen to this one. I just wrote this a minute ago, so this is just for y'all. Not y'all, because y'all already there. <clears throat> y'all ready? You ready for this? This is deep. If you want your seed to grow, you have to be okay with the tilling tool, the watering tool, and the pruning tool. What am I saying? Listen, work doesn't end after you've been accepted to the college of your choice. The work doesn't end when you get the degree of your dreams or the job that pays you the money that you have never seen in your life. If you don't switch from the tool of a student to the tool of a professional, you will bury your dreams. If you don't switch from the tool of me to the tool of we, you will bury your destiny. If you don't switch from the tool of selfishness to the tool of sacrifice, you will bury your potential. I, I got some folk in here who got some experience who's shaking their head. They're like, uh-huh, he's showing up telling the truth. All right? Deposit some of this into your brains because trust me, even if it don't make sense to you now, live long enough and it will make sense. Okay? You have to switch tools even after you leave school. You can't take a student mentality onto the job. We have something called client expectations that don't care nothing about how late you partied last night. Do you hear what I'm saying? You've got to switch from a student to being a professional. If you don't, trust me, you will bury your future. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Okay, just making sure. They say that by the time a student reaches year number three in college, the information they've learned in their major classes is obsolete. Have y'all heard that? You heard that? And I know, I know that's true because a lot of people would look at the websites that my company's developed, they look at the different online and the mobile stuff that we've done, and they say, man, you must have a degree in computer science. I say, no. Oh, well, you got a degree, a CFA or something like that, right? No. People been calling me Dr. Gurton since because I've been teaching. They've been calling me, no, I don't have a PhD. I only have a master's in fine art. I don't have none of that. Okay? I have none of that. Why? Because when I was in school, there were no websites. We learned how to type on a typewriter. So what did I have to do? <laughs> what I ended up doing didn't exist when I was in school. How did I get here? How did I become the CEO of a successful marketing company doing stuff that didn't exist when I was in school? Okay, let that sink in. That just means somebody in here, you're studying something right now for a job that may not exist when you get out. Or you're studying right now for the job you've got to create for yourself. Is that okay? It better be because things are moving just that fast. 
I see people growing up. I tell I had a young girl just just a couple days ago. I saw her at high school. At high school, and I go to her. I said, "So what do you want to be?" She said, "I want to be a crime scene investigator." I said, "Really?" I said, "Who do you know as a crime scene investigator?" She said, "Nobody." I said, "Okay, so you're studying to be something, and you don't know nothing about it." She said, "Well, I see it on TV." That's a clue right there. If it's something you want to be, make sure you surround yourself by people who are already that thing so that one day you become that thing too. Okay, let me stay with that because see, some of y'all missed that one. There's this thing that I learned when I was at, how much time do I have? Okay, okay. Okay, cool. Cool. I know I'm standing between lunch, so I know y'all looking at me like, okay, get it over with, Pastor. Uh, check this out. When I was younger, I always wanted to be in the music business. I always wanted to be in the music business. And so I was playing instrumental music, y'all. I was uh, in bands. I was doing all that kind of stuff. I was a DJ. I just think I was 12 when we first started DJing. I mean, I was doing everything I could do because I wanted to be in the music business. Well, I ran into this guy. Uh, some, of y- some of y'all may know. It depends on how old you are. A guy by the name of Babyface. Uh, his name is Kenny Edmonds. He lived in Indianapolis. I'm from Indianapolis. We worked in Indianapolis Black Expo together. And Kenny Edmonds said, you know, if you want to be in the music business, it's real simple. He said, just surround yourself by people who are in the business and one day you'll be in this business too. And I said, hmm, let me try that. And that's what I did. I surrounded myself by people who were in the music business, and by the time I graduated from college, one of the first phone calls I got the same year I graduated from college was, do you want to become a concert tour manager for a popular R&B group? And I actually thought about it, because I didn't know if I wanted to do it. But then I accepted the position, and I started traveling the world with a popular R&B group back in the early 90s. Because I, did, I took his advice. I surrounded myself by people who were doing what I wanted to do, and one day I did it too. So that means that there's somebody in here, that whatever it is you want to do, surround yourself by people who are doing it. And guess what? One day you'll do it too. That sounds great, doesn't it? But it's like a law. <laughs> it works in reverse. If you want to be a dropout, surround yourself by dropouts, and one day you'll drop out too. You want to flunk out? Surround yourself by flunk outs. And guess what? One day you'll flunk out too. Does that make sense? It's all about who you surround yourself by or surround yourself with. I don't know which one works best in the, in the language. But you got to surround yourself by the people who are doing what you ultimately want to do because trust me, one day you'll do it too. Hope y'all wrote that one down. So they say by the time a student reaches year number three in college, the information that they've learned in their major class is obsolete. So you can't sit back and wait for your dreams to come to you. You have to pursue your purpose by planting your seed of greatness and use the doxology with some of the people around you. You hear me talking about people around you? It's okay to say, may the Lord watch between me and thee while we're absent one from another. There's some folk that's around some of y'all right now. Get them in your mind. As you know, they don't mean you no good for where you're going. They only mean you good for where you've been. Okay, let me say that. <laughs> <Y'all> just, <laughs> okay, it's in church. Y'all just missed a shout. Some of us need to cut, do the doxology for some folk who the only reason why they're in your life is because they want to give you something for where you've been and not give you something for where you're going. You don't need those kind of people in your life. You need people who are going to give you what you need for where you're going. Make sense? So that means some of you are, you're going back home and you're starting to feel uncomfortable around some folk. You don't know, you no longer fit. 
You, you, you don't feel right. You don't feel right in the same conversation anymore. Why? Because you're growing. You're stretching. That seed is trying to break ground. And when that seed breaks ground, that means you don't fit into them same categories you were in before. You don't have the same conversation you had before. Your, your language and your diction and your dialect is changing. And the conversation is changing. The people you hear, all that stuff is changing. And that's okay. That means that you're growing towards your destiny. And it's okay to tell some folk, I love you. But guess what? I got to go. And this is deep because I just uh, there was a guy that I remember growing up with, a guy named Leo. Uh, Leo, I just got a call the other day. I saw him on the street. I saw him on the street just two weeks ago, walking down the street. Clearly, he's struggling with some, some addictions and some strongholds in his life. I stopped and I talked to him about uh, just this past summer. He was telling me kind of what he was going through. We had a great conversation. And I'm glad I talked to him because at least I got a chance to understand what he's going through and pray with him and pray for him. And it becomes tough when you have relationship with people and you have to make a decision. Do I stay in relationship to this person or do I sever this thing so I can move on? There are some people that are literally making a bad decision. They're saying, you know what, I'd rather stay home and hang out with my friend than go ahead and go to college or go ahead and move away or go ahead and go out of state. Did y'all hear what I'm saying? There are people that are doing that. Okay, this ain't for you. Maybe it's for your little brother, for your little sister. Maybe it's for your cousin. Maybe for a friend of yours. But tell somebody to sever ties with people who are not doing you good for where you're going. I get a phone call just last week. Leo's in the hospital. It's tough. It's tough to go look at people who you left in comas. That's tough. But guess what? Had I stayed on that same track, drinking and hanging out on the corner and smoking weed and not going to class and skipping, do you hear me? If I had stayed, somebody would have come and see me. Okay. Here's the last thing and I'm done. Don't be afraid of the dark. Clearly, when you decide you want to plant a seed, you've got to put a seed someplace that nobody wants to go. And that's into the ground, into dirt, into darkness. Does that make sense? Damn. Tight. It's tight. Okay. If you want to grow, you cannot be afraid of being isolated. You can't be afraid of people walking away from you. You can't be afraid of doing things that people don't understand. Does that make sense? Okay, let me make it, make it plain. Because, you know, in teaching, of course, when you're on a campus or whatnot, you know when you give your students their homework and the stuff that they need to do, you know when they're doing it, right? When they come, to, come back to class and they haven't got their homework done and then you start walking around. Okay, you got a whole semester to figure out where your students really are. They're not going to the library. They're not, you know, with their groups and all that kind of stuff. You can see the groups that are struggling because they got members in the group that ain't doing the right thing, right? You've got people that don't do the right thing. Here's what I'm trying to say. There are some times in order for you to grow to the destiny of you to plant the seed and become who you're supposed to be, that you're going to have to be isolated from the very people that you feel like you love and you trust. The people that you think got your back. Because if they're not going to study hall, if they're not doing that extra homework, if they're not going and meeting with the professor off times, off hours, not just right after class when y'all come line up and run up to the professor trying to figure out what's up with your grades and whatnot. If you're not going the extra mile, then you'll never reach the d- degree of destiny that you have on your life. And it will, there will become those days where it will get dark. If it doesn't, I'm going to be questioning whether or not you're growing. Because I know that anybody who wants strong muscles has to lift something heavy, don't they? Have you ever seen a bodybuilder lifting feathers? If a bodybuilder wants to be strong, what do they have to lift? 
Now, what if a bodybuilder gets to a certain point and decides, I want to get stronger? What do they have to do? Add more weight. So some of y'all have realized that this is one level, but you're going to have to go to another level, meaning that it might be hard now, but you ain't seen nothing when you got three kids, a mortgage, a car, a house, no. Right? It's just more weight, but the weight is not designed to take you out. The weight is designed to take you up. People look at, I, was, I have an intern with me right now, Ian James. He's in Indianapolis doing some work. And Ian says, he came to my office one day and he says, I thought my life was bad. He says, until he sat in a chair behind my desk and looked at my calendar. <laughs> he looked at my calendar and he said, it looks, he said, your calendar looks like art because it's got so many colors and so many things going on because of all the different things that God has designed me to do. So, so many people will come up to me and they'll say, how do you do this? You're a pastor, you're online, you're, you know, you're the executive director over here, and then you, you're a CEO over there, and you're president of this thing over here, and then you're volunteering in the community, you're certified to do this, that, and the other. And I say, because I was designed to do it. Everybody can't do what I do. Right? Can I say this? There's some of y'all in here right now, you're designed to do a specific thing. And there are other people that are going to be around you. And I'm really done on this one, but I got to say this. <sighs> you know Oprah, right? Oprah? Oprah Winfrey, uh, you know, she's from Tennessee and she went to TSU. And I taught from the very rooms that Oprah sat in, uh, which, you know, didn't have all the glitz and glam. All the equipment was old, all that kind of stuff. But... Oprah really got it going on. She's, I think, like at one time, like the richest woman like on earth or something, in the world or something like that. But, you know, she wasn't always that way. Am I right? And I remember thinking about Gail. Y'all know who Gail is? It's like Oprah's friend, Gail. Can you imagine at one point Gail had to have said, why her and not me? They used to work together. They used to go to lunch together, right? They used to hang out together. You know, they were girlfriends. They probably swapped clothes or something like that. I don't know, but she probably said, you know, look at her and look at me. Why her and not me? I can guarantee you that at one time or another, Gail had a problem with Oprah. <laughs> they stopped talking. I'm, trust me, I'm sure that that happened because Gail wanted to be Oprah. And then I was watching this TV show when they were, they were uh, recognizing all these celebrities or something on TV. And I was watching and they were showing Gail in a limousine riding to the event. And they were interviewing her. And I looked at that interview and I said, you know what? I think Gail figured it out. And I hope some of y'all figured this out too. Gail figured out that, watch this, that there are some people in this room that are designed as cups. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's that seed that you got to use. There's nothing you can do about it. You're designed as a cup, and you're going to be poured into. Some of y'all in here, I can see you right now. You're CEOs, CFOs, your managers, your VPs, associate VPs. I mean, you are designed to have things poured into you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Now, there's somebody else that's standing next to you. They're, they are what I call coveting your cupness. They want to be you. Now, they're not designed as a cup, but they want the cup. Are y'all hearing me? And, and so when I saw Gail, what I realized was that Gail figured it out. Gail figured out that Oprah is designed to be Oprah. She's designed to be a cup. And there's nothing she can do about it. So rather than me 
get so bent out of shape about what's being poured into her. Maybe I need to be the support. Let's call a saucer. And, and, and the only way the saucer is going to benefit from its relationship to the cup, it's got to be in the right place. Because I realized in watching an interview, a Gail figured out that if I put myself in the right place to support the cup, when the cup gets too much and begins to overflow, I catch the overflow. Do y'all hear what I'm saying? Some of y'all are in here right now. You're designed as cups. Others are designed as saucers. And that's okay. The issue isn't what you're designed for. The issue is, are you in position to get what belongs to you? Some of y'all may start companies. You may support each other. And so, so, so key, and I'm done, is don't miss out on this opportunity to hear some things that I just said today. Reach out to some people in this room and say, okay, I heard what he said. Did you hear what he said? Did you catch that? Don't bury your seed. Plant your seed. Be okay with change. Be okay with the darkness. Be okay with isolating yourself. And find some people in this room that you can connect with and say, okay, no, you know what? We're going to be different. All right, we're going to do some things different. I, I struggled. I walked out of here, and I saw this guy as I was walking, walking out, and I was like, I hope he's not a student here because he doesn't look like where he's going. I'm just being honest. Can I be honest? He doesn't look like he's going anywhere. And I need some students in here to act like I told some folk last year. I told them last year. I said, you can go back to anybody from Ball State University. They're going to tell you we knew John was going to be a CEO because he was riding a bike with a suit on and a briefcase. You hear what I'm saying? Look the part. And hook up with other people. Surround yourself by people who are going where you're going. And trust me, you'll get there. You'll get there. I'm done. Thank you. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.